There on the internet, I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Facebook's biggest strength is quickly becoming its largest headache. For years, Facebook has survived by tracking every little thing its users do and then selling that on to, well, anyone who's got the cash. But now, a new slew of regulations across the globe are looking to crack down on the social media site, and according to leaked documents, Facebook has no idea how to get compliant. Worse, the social media giant has no idea where any given piece of data goes once it enters its ecosystem. With me today is the Motherboard senior staff writer who broke the story, Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai. Sir, thank you once again for coming on to Cyber and walking us through one of your scoops. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so Facebook is facing a pretty big problem right now. Uh, what's going on exactly? Yeah, so the company has been for a few years now on the under the microscope of regulators, both in the U.S., Europe, and really everywhere around the world. Um, you know, you can probably trace this back to the Cambridge Analytica scandal. That's when everyone started to really feel like uh, they needed to do something about Facebook's data collection. And one of the results was the Europe, the European um, law known as GDPR. Um, which uh, it's not just the it's a European law, but it essentially applies everywhere because it applies to every company that has a presence in Europe. So all the U.S. tech companies, all even Chinese tech companies, for that matter, uh, that have any users in Europe need to comply with this law. And um, it's a very big law, um, but essentially it. Um, attempts to protect the privacy of users. And one of its most important principles is the um, purpose limitation principle, which essentially says that companies like Facebook can only collect data for one purpose and not reuse it for another purpose. So if you think about uh, a story about a story that came out a couple of years ago where Gizmodo broke the news that Facebook was using the cell phone numbers of people that had uh, opted in to their two-factor authentication. So these were people that were using their cell phones as a two-factor. Facebook was using this phone uh, to target, to to find out the contacts um, of, the, of, of these people and target ads. Um, the company initially denied that this was happening, then eventually it admitted it and stopped doing it. So this is a good example of, of purpose limitation. If you're collecting a phone number for two-factor authentication, you cannot use it for something else. Um, and it's not just GDPR. Uh, California passed a law uh, last year, which is coming uh, into effect soon, uh, as similar provisions than the GDPR. And there's laws on the books coming up in India, Thailand, South Korea, South Africa, Egypt, and many other places. So Facebook itself describes this as a tsunami of regulations. Right. So let's talk about this document. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, so everyone can kind of see it. So you you wrote something kind of based on their, I guess we would call it reaction 
to all of this regulation that's coming into place and then trying to figure out how to get compliant, right? Mm-hmm. So what what exactly yeah. do you have here? Yeah, so Facebook has been, you know, has been forced to to work um, and respond to these regulations. GDPR uh, came into effect in 2018. So it's been already four years. Uh, there's been a slew of lawsuits. Um, and... And this document essentially talks about how it's the company's engineers are trying to respond to these regulations and change, you know, change how data flows internally, change how data gets handled internally into inside Facebook systems in a way that they can comply with the law and specifically with that uh, the purpose limitation. Uh, you know, the GDPR and all these privacy laws essentially force Facebook to be. Uh, to be able to say, okay, you know, we're collecting, let's say, Lorenzo's uh, profile or Lorenzo's Facebook data. You know, Lorenzo's like this uh, piece of information in his bio. You know, let's say his religious religion orientation or his favorite soccer team. Uh, we can only use it to display on on the bio. We cannot use it for ad purposes. So Facebook really needs to be able to to track and account for any piece of data that it collects about everyone. Um, and, you know, this certainly is a challenge uh, because they never had to worry about that until recently. And what this document reveals is that they're really, really struggling with it. Um, you know, again, this is four years after GDPR came into effect. And in this document, Facebook privacy engineers essentially say that they can't really tell where data ends up and, and how their systems use the data once the data is in. Um, you know, the, the document is full of jargon, but the the metaphor that, that the engineers use at the top uh, really tell, says everything. And, and I'll quote it because I think it's great. Quote, we've built systems with open borders. The result of these open systems and open culture is well described with an analogy. Imagine you hold a bottle of ink in your hand. This bottle of ink is a mixture of all kinds of user data, third-party data, first-party data, sensitive content data, Europe, etc., you pour that ink into a lake of water, our open data systems, our open culture, and it flows everywhere. How do we put that ink back into the bottle? How do you organize it again, such that it only flows to the allowed places in the lake? The engineers don't answer this question, but essentially the answer is right now we can't, and we need a lot of investment. We need a lot of engineers. We need to spend a lot of money hiring people and uh, talk, the document talks about like years of engineering hours uh, that will be needed to, to comply with these regulations and to be able to really make, um, you know, to, to comply with the promise that they can track data it, it's really, and account for it. It's really wild to me. There's a great comment uh, from the chat that I think really hits the nail on the head. Uh, if it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars in laborious work to comply with a single discovery request – Maybe you shouldn't house that much data on people. Um, you you tilted your head as if you don't quite agree. What's uh, what's your I mean? Yeah, I mean uh, yes, that would be a, a solution, but that would also mean that you're not making money, right? Like you know, it would be great if Facebook collected uh, less data, but it needs to collect this data because it needs to sell ads, and. Um, yeah, and you know it's a, it's a public company. Shareholders want want companies to keep keep growing, keep making more money. So this is really a, an existential existential threat. All these privacy regulations can can really hit and 
harm Facebook if it's not if it's not able to to comply with them. Let's talk about this metaphor just a little bit longer. I'm going to pull up uh, another page. The this this I thought was really and you've got this embedded in the article too. It's such a bizarre image when you see because they, what they've got here is they're basically trying to map out the data and where it goes right and to kind of show you show the, the people reading this document like how wild of a problem this is right so what is exa- what am i looking at here what is the facebook data lake yeah the facebook data lake is essentially like where facebook collects all the data on their users you know they they take all our information all our posts on our photos and it all goes into like this system, this data lake, uh, where then it gets organized. Uh, and as this document says, not very well organized. And 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 that's you know you can see a, that's a graph that represents like all the pieces of data, how they're connected, how they interact with each other, where they go. And you know this is obviously zoomed out, but it looks like a mess. And I think that the engineers included this to really drive the point home that there needs to be some changes and they need they need help they need the resources they need more engineers they need more they need like management to really buy into to this uh, problem to to really start changing how how facebook is built because as the metaphor talks about you know facebook was built uh with open borders you know with this sort of like open open uh, mentality where like it collected all the data and then Worried about organizing it later, uh, you know there was that that um, the Facebook motto uh, "move fast, break things," which really uh, backfired on them. I think uh, can you know talks about this as well. You know it was really they never they never built Facebook to to be able to limit um, to to give users the ability to limit where data goes. You know. The whole point of Facebook is collect as much data on you as possible, not just on Facebook, but, you know, even when uh, you're on other websites, uh, you know, we all remember those uh, like buttons that were everywhere on the web, on the Internet a few years ago. You know, those were those were there for a reason, because Facebook wanted to know what you did, even when you were not on Facebook. Yeah, it's are you still on Facebook, Lorenzo? Do you ever use it anymore? Um, I am very passively, as in, like, I have it just to, I don't know why, I guess, because once in a while, I, you know, I scroll on the news feed, but I would say that I log in once a week. Uh, I did send you a friend request before we hopped on. Um, so I, I have, I wouldn't be on it anymore, except I have like one group chat that refuses to leave, um, that I've been in for like 10 years and I just can't leave it behind. Uh, and I've tried mm-hmm. to move them on to something else and they will not. They will not leave. Uh, but it, I, I think it's, uh, I was just going to say that like I, anecdotally after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, almost, then mm, this doesn't almost make sense because it was a scandal in Europe. Mm, way more friends, way, a lot of more of my American friends left the, left the website, whereas my European friends are still on it and relatively active actually. So well, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we do a whole episode about, you know, I've written about this a little bit. We're going to talk about the differences between the way Facebook works in other parts of the world and how enmeshed it is in so many parts of the internet, especially mm-hmm. in places like South America. Uh, but setting that aside, like what you said about how hard, like once you're on Facebook, how hard it is to get off 
if like that makes any sense, like once you're in that ecosystem and using it for a lot of things, it's hard to do something as simple as like share a link that's on Facebook somewhere else, right? They've made it difficult to do outside of their ecosystem. It's not impossible. You just have to know exactly like where, you know, on the little globe or on the little like thing hyperlink to find, you know, the URL and send it out. But it's, it's, it's enough of a pain in the ass that it turns me off from using the website completely. Um, and I just, I, between this and like between its usability issues and like this, as they call it, tsunami of regulations and Zuckerberg running f- headlong into a metaverse that people don't seem super interested in. I, it just feels like this company is, is in trouble, right? Do you see that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the same time, you know, it's definitely not um, like, I don't think any of the people of any of my friends or people I know have a positive image of Facebook. You know, some people like Instagram still, people like WhatsApp, but you know, my people from my generation, I feel don't like Facebook anymore. A lot of them have left. A lot of them use it the way, the same way I use it, which is like, you know, logging in once in a while. Maybe they check uh, uh, Facebook groups. Like the only reason I'm on Facebook group pretty much is because I'm on a Facebook group group with my with, in my building with my neighbors, and that's kind of useful to like you know sometimes if we need the if I need help uh, with some some issues in my apartment, then I I can ask them. Um, yeah, I think the company is definitely in trouble, and but at the same time, it's so big. You know, it's so big, and as you say, like it's very easy for us in the Western world to forget that in many other places, Facebook is the literally almost, almost literally in some places, literally the internet. Like in uh, the best example is in Myanmar, which for many years was completely offline. When they switched on, they turned on the internet. Um, Facebook was very quick to come in and offer, uh, they offered like a deal to all the mobile uh, providers there uh, that Facebook would not count against the data. So essentially, People, it became like uh, the internet to the point that um, there was even a magazine, like a, a real physical magazine, collecting the most popular posts on Facebook. Um, so, so yeah, at the same time, you know, it's definitely a, it's definitely facing challenges. It's not as popular as it used to be, especially among young people um, who are like on TikTok, you know, the generation after ours. But at the same time, you know, it still has like two billion people. You know, that that mass is not gonna significantly decrease in a way that's you know facebook is not going to die in our in our lifetime it's going to be with us for 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 a long time right i mean everyone has to remember that this is a company that owns as you said instagram which is still wildly popular whatsapp which is also incredibly popular outside of america like i would say like it's one of the default chat applications everywhere on the (laughs) globe right um let's pause here and it's used and it's used a lot by businesses. I, I think you wrote this story in the past. Like there are places in the in the world. Like I remember when I went to Colombia. You know, every shop, even if it was like a mom and pop shop, would advertise a, a WhatsApp number. Uh, restaurants in Europe, even like you can you can make reservations only via WhatsApp. So it's it's huge. WhatsApp is like really the biggest um, biggest chat app in the world. All right, cyber listeners, let's pause here for a break. We will be right back after these brief messages. If you are watching on Twitch, this is just for the podcast listeners, and we'll be right back immediately. Hold up. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, cyber listeners, thank you for listening to a few words from our sponsors. We are back. We're talking to Lorenzo about his uh, scoop where Facebook, we, we got hold of a leaked document about Facebook data lineage um, and how scared they are of the incoming regulatory tsunami, as they call it, uh, mostly from Europe and India, but also potentially, I believe they said early in the document, from the United States that they think that's going to be a few years out, right? Um, so mm-hmm. this this caught my eye in the doc, and I want to throw it up to people to kind of tell, show them like what a big deal this is. So this is resourcing napkin, like some back of the napkin math for them to deploy things. Um, 450 to 750. Is that in, is ENG engineering years? I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So execution of timeline in three years, high level execution plan resourcing need by year, 450 to 750 engineering years for the near term seems pretty wild, right? Like this is, they're going to have to, reconfigure a lot of their business resources just to get, you know, compliant on a base level, right? Yeah, the document really makes a, it's like a, it's sounding the alarm and also making a pitch for getting more resources, getting more engineers, getting more attention to this problem. Um, You know, the document doesn't really, it's pretty dry in its tone, but it's clear that the, that these, um, the, the engineers who are like privacy engineers are are really telling their their colleagues you need to pay attention to this. You know we have we've had the I think at one point in the document it says we've had the luxury of having to deal with only one or two regulations at a time. You know GDPR first and um, the California Privacy Protection Act uh, later, and it says now we we don't have the luxury anymore. You know there's regulations all over the world coming. Um, and they're all coming at the same time. So, and they're all very similar in nature and in what they require Facebook to do. So, so the engineers are really saying, you know, we need to really get on this. We're not ready. We're not ready as it is right now. We already, we should already be, we should be ready. We're not, and we're not ready for what's coming. So we need to really ramp up, um, ramp up, um, thinking about this problem. And there's another great quote that really explains how bad this is. And I'll quote, we do not have an adequate level of control and explainability over how our system use data. And thus, we cannot confidently make controlled policy changes or external commitments such as we will not use X data for Y purpose. And yet, this is exactly what regulators expect us to do, increasing our risk of mistakes and misrepresentations. So again, like this is a privacy engineer saying we cannot do what we should be already doing. Do you think? Well, actually, can we get into a little bit more of the specifics of like how what this regu- what these regulations are asking for? I know they're all kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I believe Facebook describes it as they're moving from an open model to a consent model when it comes to advertising. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The gist of that is that you know until very recently, 
um, face whatever you put on Facebook was used to target you with ads. You know, your photos, your even your contact list, uh, what groups you were on, your likes, all that stuff was a data point used to target you with ads and was essentially data that was used to sell ads. Um, what these regulations are doing are giving users control, giving users certain control over the data. So there's like a third-party data, um, first-party data. Uh, the goal is that you should be able to say, you know, I don't want, I don't want data. Like I don't want, um, I don't want advertisers to access information such as when someone uh, tags me in a photo, right? That's third-party data. Somebody else is creating data about me. Um, like the goal of this regulation is to give users the ability to say, Facebook, I don't want you to use this third-party data to target me with ads. Or even, um, you know, that's the, that's the consent, the principle of consent that all these regulations are talking about. You know, I need to consent. I need to opt in to Facebook using my data rather than it being the default. And, you know, that's, that's a huge that's huge. That's a huge challenge for Facebook because that could mean that uh, all of a sudden the company cannot make promises to their advertisers. They cannot say anymore, oh, we know so much about Lorenzo. We know so much about Matt because we've been collecting all this data. Because you could say, you could tell Facebook, I don't want you to use this data anymore. Or rather, I don't want you to use this data for, ad- for advertising. So I'm cu- is it just that it's all automated at this point like i'm i guess part of my confusion here is that like take me on the data lineage journey i guess is what i think they mm-hmm. call it so let's say i'm i'm looking at facebook i'm doom scrolling facebook for whatever reason waiting for some response in the group chat i see a terrible meme my friend has posted i like the meme what then happens to that bit of information that i've liked as it enters the soup mm-hmm. as it enters the data lake yeah, it gets ingested, it gets processed, and it goes through. You know, it ends up on on this in this huge data lake where some other system, you know, like an ad system, picks it up and uses it to uh, to modify your profile, to to figure out what you want, to figure out what you like, so that it can serve better ads. Uh, and a lot of it is automated. And you know, the document again, the document makes the point that. The, the system right now is uh, way too way too open, way too uh, out of control. And uh, you know when we when we talk to Facebook about this document, the company was really stressed out that the document is really from an engineering from an engineer point of view. It doesn't really reflect uh, the kind of um, manual controls, human controls that go behind the scenes. Uh, essentially, the company was like, oh, pay no attention to this document. Engineers wrote it. They don't understand that there's like a lot of other stuff going on, that there's a lot of people that are actually, you know, making sure that the data is not misused. And, and that's probably true. Um, but at the same time, uh, the, essentially, Facebook did not deny the, the conclusions in the document. They just said, well, you know, we're, right now we have a lot of... Um, Manual reviews. Uh, we have systems in place uh, that rely on humans. What this document says is that we need to, you know, we should automate them more so that we can scale. Uh, either way, this is not good news, honestly. Uh, you know, either if you want to believe just the document, or if you want to believe that there's manual review, it's still, you know, it's very hard to imagine that manual review on like 
two billion users posting God knows how much data every day can actually work. Well, yeah, I mean, it's in a way it's compounding their other one of their other big problems, right? That they've gotten in trouble for publicly repeatedly in the past, which is content moderation, right? How do you keep someone from posting pictures of, of cat mutilations or war crime footage, like all of that kind of stuff, right? It's similar. We've seen, we've, we've all read the stories about how well that's gone and the human toll that that takes on the people that are moderating. Um, and then to try to create, to try to then create some sort of manual system on top of your advertising, like your, your data collection and advertising also, I just feel like it's also not going to go well. Right. Yeah. It's hard to believe that they're going to be able to create a, an automated system that, um, flags all the data with the right privacy protections, the right like consent models, and and takes humans out of the equation. You know they, they don't have a very good track record of doing that, uh, of creating the automatic systems. You know, like I remember when uh, Zuckerberg went to DC and you know was grilled on how the company you know collects private data and how it treats it, and they were like, you know, it's just just hang on, you know, just wait a little bit because we're making we're creating we're writing better algorithms. AI is gonna save is gonna save the day. We just need to you know we just need better we just need to code code harder. You know we need to nerd hard. We need more nerds. We need to nerd harder. Um, it's it's yeah it's. Um, you know what this document says is that the challenges are daunting and they're not ready for it. And and what the company told us is, no, don't worry, we're already doing it manually. We just need to do it autom- automatically or with automated systems. And their track record on using automated systems is not just—it's not very good. So, well, I mean, good luck. I guess we should do a whole episode probably about the the failed promise of AI systems and what they can actually accomplish. But set that aside. Um, I've got a good. Got a good comment from Counternature in the chat that I I think is something that's going to reverberate in my brain for a while. Regulating the internet is bad. An unregulated internet is also bad. Um, and I feel that uh, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but let's like get back to Facebook. You said you talked to them, right? Or they? How would you describe your interactions with them mm-hmm. uh, in the course of reporting on this story? They were very accommodating. I was I was surprised. You know, they never challenged the veracity of the document. Obviously, you know, we show them uh, the the data lake, the ink in the, the bottle, the ink, the bottle of ink uh, metaphor, and a couple of other quotes. And so, you know, they immediately. I imagine that they were able to find that document very easily. Also, my understanding is that this document was accessible to dozens of of, uh, of employees at Facebook, so it wasn't really. You know, it was a popular document. It was an important document for certain teams. And yeah, the company was very accommodating in the sense that uh, they set up a call. Uh, they insisted that it was on background, which meant that I could only paraphrase what I heard and I couldn't name the uh, the people that I was talking to. They also sent a statement. Um, and, and I think that uh, regardless of what they said in the call, in the statement, the sense that I had is that they're really trying to be proactive in terms of uh, working with journalists because they don't want they don't want to be blindsided anymore. They don't want to. They are really they uh, they they understand that they need to engage with journalists. They understand that they need to defend themselves in public. That they need to 
you know, be nice and also be nice to their own users and basically essentially send the message. We hear you. We know we're not perfect, but we're working on it. You know, give us a chance. Give us some more time. It's kind of interesting that uh, they are way more accommodating that than companies like Apple, for example, which are essentially black holes. You know, whenever I send an email to the PR people, never get an answer, never get even like a, an acknowledgement that they sent that they saw my email. Rarely get a statement. Even more rarely get a phone call with the with their engineers or their employees. Facebook here is that is really doing the opposite. It's uh, they understood and and this is smart. I think that this is a very smart approach on their end. They understood that you know being being defensive and you know uh, hiding behind a no comment or hiding you know or attacking journalists is really not working anymore. And they need to they need to play they need to play the game. They need to engage with journalists and they need to defend themselves. So it was interesting to uh, to work with them. Um, you know, again, I wasn't really convinced by their statement, um, which essentially said, "Oh, don't worry, this document was written by engineers that don't understand." Um, you know, if, if you read between the lines of the statement, it's essentially saying, "Yeah, you know, this document is the the concerns in this document are real, and we're working on it." But you know, the subtext was, yeah, maybe we're not really able to comply with these regulations, but we're working on it. I mean, I don't know. It had the feel of, um, my wife is a software engineer and we've been in, since the pandemic, we've been in this, we've had the shared office for several years now. Uh, and I hear some of her calls when executives are asking for something and the engineers are trying to explain why it's a problem or why it can't happen, but the executives just don't understand. <laughs> and it, like this document very much had that feel of like what you're asking, this is what you're asking for just so everyone knows how expensive and laborious and nightmarish this is going to be. We'll do it, but this is going to be the rest of some of our careers is working on getting this up and running. And I just, I like, as I was reading it and, and you're looking at the story and then had the, the Facebook comments kind of at the end, I was like, this reminds me of, of meetings I've overheard uh, in the background. Um, can you, so there's been a little bit of follow up since you published your initial story. What else has happened? Uh, lawmakers call for better Facebook user data oversight. Hmm. I believe is the next story. Yes. Yeah. So the story really surprised some lawmakers who got very angry, basically, uh, both in the U.S. and Europe. We spoke to a handful of senators and a handful of uh, European parliament members who all essentially made similar points. They were just like, you know, we've seen Facebook. We, need, we really need to rein in Facebook. This document shows that they're not even able to comply with the laws that are already on the books, let alone the laws that are coming up uh, soon. Um and yeah, they were all pretty shocked and angry and uh, calling for regulations um, and, and you know, calling for data authorities or data regulators in Europe to, to do something. Because what's interesting about Europe is that the GDPR applies everywhere in Europe, but the European uh, govern, you know, governing bodies don't have actually the ability to enforce it. It's every country's data protection uh, authorities which can which can apply and enforce uh, gdpr 
in particular, the Irish Data Protection Agency is the most important one because Facebook is uh, headquartered in Ireland, in Europe. So, so a lot of the parliament members in um, in Europe were calling for the Irish Data Protection Agency to do something about this. And so far, so far it hasn't really, you know, Facebook hasn't really faced uh, a lot of problems there. But it's possible that this will change. It's possible that, you know, I expect someone to uh, to use this document in a in a in a lawsuit, like because individuals can also sue companies in Europe based on GDPR. Um, you know, anyone can do it. So one of one of the people that I spoke with, Johnny Ryan, is an activist. He has sued Google in the past for similar problems. Uh, I I imagine that he's thinking about suing Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I I think it's fair to say that. Um, Someone will pick up this document and try to use it against Facebook in a in a lawsuit or an investigation from one of these uh, governing bodies, these data protection agencies. All right, I have I have one more question for you here at the end. So one of the things the document talks about is this new program called Basic Ads, which kind of sheds mm-hmm. light on like what the future of the platform might look like and how data might flow. Can you explain? What ba- like what the pitch for basic ads is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the document mentions basic ads. There's not a lot of of uh, it doesn't talk a lot about it, but you can sort of uh, get an idea of what it is. It's essentially a product that they wanted to launch that they want to launch in Europe. The document said that it had to be ready by January of this year, so it's May and it's not out yet. So that's probably not a good sign already. Um, but the the idea behind basic ads is that Europeans will be able to tell uh, Facebook, um, please don't use my personal data for advertising. You know, give me like basic ads. Um, and um, so, so yeah, the idea is to have uh, ads that are not as targeted as the one that you usually see on Facebook because they don't they don't use all your all your personal data. Uh, I am. I am curious to see how this is going to work. Uh, I am also curious to see how advertisers will react to this because, you know, again, the whole promise of Facebook, which some researchers are putting question, but the whole promise is that their ads are better than, you know, the the, the banner ads that you see on some on some news websites, for example, or other websites that are, you know, completely random ads like the, you know, like in the, well, like it still is on TV, right? You get you get everyone gets the same ad. Um, you know, I, I get, I see an ad for a car, even though I don't have a driver's license, for example. Uh, the promise of Facebook is that you only get ads that you really care about because they know so much about you. So if they launch a product like this, where you give people an option to essentially turn off that feature to to get like more random ads, then I imagine advertisers will not be very happy about it. Um, you know, I imagine they're going to lose business. They're going to lose advertisers. They're going to have to, you know, sell ads for fewer money and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it will be it will be interesting to see. Also, it's kind of interesting that they're only uh, launching it in Europe initially. Uh, you know, I can't I can't see a scenario in which this is only a European. Uh, feature you know eventually they'll have to roll it out everywhere and that's when like that's when we're gonna really see if the business model can survive because if if advertisers get turned off by this 
new feature, then that could really hurt the, the bottom line. All right, Lorenzo, I think that's a good place to end with the dream of renewed and changed, possibly weaker Facebook. Uh, and if that happens, I'm sure you will come back on to Cyber and walk us through what's going on. I'm Matthew Galt. This is Cyber. If you like the show, please follow us on Twitch and you can get notifications and watch the recording of the show live. If you're listening to the podcast and you like us, rate us on iTunes, drop us a line. It does help other people find the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Lorenzo, thank you for coming on. And uh, Thanks, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And I will see you all in the future, which is next week, which is when we will talk about more of uh, the wild and crazy world of the Internet. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.